Hey guys, what is going on? My name is Yen, and welcome back to the Self Storage Income Podcast. It has been a crazy few weeks, guys. Lots of things are changing in the market, both with self storage and just the economy as a whole. I'm finally back from a 10 day trip I made overseas to see family for the first time in like six years, which is absolutely wild. I think both Connor and I were gone around the same time. But today we have an amazing episode lined up for you guys because in the words of Michael Keaton, the one true Batman, the economy is going nuts right now. And you might be wondering, how does this affect self-storage? Well, today AJ and Connor are going to be talking about this topic specifically through the lens of their personal experience, specifically AJ as well, because he's been in this industry for over 20 years. He has seen the ups and downs and has been through the recessions and the downturns and the way he has set up his companies and built out this ecosystem of products and services in the self-storage industry is not only very unique, but it was specifically set up to mitigate the risk posed by recessions. Be sure to stick around towards the end because AJ and Connor are going to be answering some of your questions that you sent in through the self-storage income community. If you guys don't know what that is or haven't checked that out, you should check the link in the show notes. Huge opportunity to ask questions and have them answered by experts in the industry, including AJ himself. But anyways, guys, let's go ahead and jump right in. One of the best ways to optimize management and to increase the value of your self-storage facility is through property management. And that means you're going to need really good property management software. That's where Tenant Inc. comes in. These guys have a huge amount of tools at your fingertips that you guys can deploy to extract the maximum amount of value and deploy the maximum amount of value at your storage facility. Again, this is Tenant Inc. Be sure to check them out. They're all things property management. It's truly your one-stop shop. Check them out. Link is in the show notes. Welcome everybody to Self Storage Income. And today is the first day that Connor's back from Hawaii. Yes. Welcome back. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's awesome to be back. Had a ton of fun with the family and, and kids out there and uh, just soaked up the sun, went around, saw a bunch of sights and uh, ate way too much food. And um, it was it was fantastic. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't ask for anything better. But uh, no, I'm happy to be back and uh, excited to dive into this topic today. And uh, it's a really important topic, whether you're starting out or you're scaling. I know it's been one of those things that we've been constantly figuring out as we're going, and uh, and I'm sure there's going to be changes. There's there's always going to be something to deal with as you scale and grow. There's things that come out, you know, whether it's skeletons in the closet or there's new process, or you try something and it doesn't work, and you have to revert to something else and try something new. So I'm really excited to dive into this, talk a little bit to it, and uh, I mean we're living it every day, and so <laughs> it's a uh, it's a good subject to talk about, man. So. Outside of that, but uh, no, we've got outside of the topic today, we've got a really exciting announcement. You want oh, yeah. Know? That's right. That's right. So it's been a while in the works, so, uh, but I'm doing a mad rush. I will be releasing the new book um, next month. So we're talking June Growing Wealth in Self Storage 2.0. And uh, it's huge. So, I, I mean, it's it's <laughs> as of now, it's twice the size even after cutting things out uh, for the last 
the last book. Um, and I kind of, you know, the first thing is why, why the 2.0, why the new one? Well, when I wrote the other one pre-COVID, um, pre-everything else, and the last five years, you know, the self-storage has changed. And to be honest, too, so have we. Yeah. You better have if you were in self-storage. And I had a lot of things that I didn't include in the last one. And I've spent years now as that book was released and it gained so much popularity. And I got the feedback from people that were like, oh, I'd love to know this. And then on the podcast, we can see which episodes do good. I know the YouTube videos, we can see. So then I know subject matter that you all want to know more about. So then we took and said, all right, we first and foremost, we needed to make a new book just to address simply the changes. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, that alone was important. But then I had so much more that I wanted to tell people that I'm like, because when you write a book, there's no way. So even when I wrote my last one, I'm like, I could write that book. It could have been 10 times the size. So I'm picking right? I'm picking what I want to put in there and what I don't. And even in this book, I could write three more books on the subject as everyone that listens to this podcast all the time knows, right? So for me, it was like, I, it was my wish list of everything that I want people in self-storage to know, understand. Underwriting, market analysis, we have a whole host of new case studies, how things played out, interest rates today. Uh, to think of the economic landscape today compared to five years ago is pretty wild. I mean, it is insane. Yeah. It's insane to think of the world we're living in today versus just five years ago. I mean, it's just totally different. I, could, I would have never in, in a million years comprehended the changes. No. I mean, from a technological standpoint, from an economic standpoint, geopolitical standpoint, like, I mean, Every single yeah. aspect of life today. Yeah, COVID rocked everything. Yeah. And uh, it uh, did, obviously, with self-storage as well. And a lot of that is good. Some of it's bad. And I think it left, most importantly, a lot of people saying, how do I work within this new environment? Um, and what's happening? And what's going to happen moving forward? And how do I work within it? So... We've included multiple new chapters, data, um, and how to. I mean, I loved that I got to just say, I get to now talk about this and we get to show this. Uh, the, the, the case studies and the applicable numbers and how you do things and how it plays out. I, I obviously love sharing this stuff and I'm really, really excited about it. Uh, really excited about it. it it's taken a, a huge portion of my life um, trying to put all these things in. Um, and the process of taking things out is almost just as big because if it was for me, I just want everything. But um, I'm excited. I'm really, really excited about it. So That's going to be awesome to get out, man. When did you say it's coming out? In June. June. Yes. 2023. Yep. So um, we'll it. make a link so you guys can pre-order. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep updating you for the launch. So yeah. we're excited, everybody. That's awesome. Can't wait, man. Along with the information data and uh, stuff we talked about, it's been really good for us 
as we've gone through our company and our growth and as we've changed and to look back at how we're structured, how it's different and how it's changed along the way. Um, because that's just today's top topic is the, uh, our company. So how we built our company and why. So like looking back, if I was starting out, understanding that journey, that path and seeing today, right? Connecting those dots, um, that helps me understand the future. And I really want to share that with other people because I didn't have that when we got started. And that let, that, that, that made for years, I think of wasted time, um, lost gains and opportunities. So I hope that everybody, you can look at this and see, um, and it, it should help you have an understanding of what you're trying to build or doing and how to use those things on, on your own journey. And we've changed a lot and we always change a lot and we will change a lot. And that's, the, I think the most important thing that I try to get across to people is it's an evolution although the premise never changes. And that, that can be hard to grasp, meaning that I tell people, we do the exact same thing. When we, when we started out, our business model was so stupidly simple. So stupidly simple. We bought an asset in a good location that we thought was a good location. And that mentally meant a good location like on a street, right? Not so much the market or the city. We, when we got started, we didn't look at per square, square feet per capita because that didn't exist. That wasn't like a measurement we had. So we didn't even look at it. Um, so we we found a, a location good. Then we said, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We are going to first make sure people pay their bills. Second, we're gonna answer the phone. And we may even raise rates. And then third, right, we are going to market. And uh, so then we can raise rates. I, I mean, that that was it. And I think what a lot of people don't understand is that model actually still works. There's so many locations throughout the United States where that model works well. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at you look at the first time investor all the way up to largest private equity firms in the world. That is what they do. They buy something that that they understand the intrinsic value of. They improve it operationally they manage it i mean it's it's literally all of the same fundamentals it's the same fundamentals and so it's like we start there and then we expand and when i was putting together the second book it was built upon this principle all right here is the fundamental the basics i want to write a book that can go deep as much as you want and learn about it but it still applies to the same as opposed to getting overwhelmed that the the more the the information that may even go deeper is you can use it and you can use it all along your journey as in all right i get what i'm doing the premise now let's open it up and see the tools to do that thing right here's the examples here's how i can learn from it um but it really comes down to the those basics now when we started we essentially had a a part-time employee that like answered the phone we contracted out everything um and uh, we had no managers on site. And then from there, we got our business partner, who's my brother-in-law, who came in and managed more of the financial stuff, everything else like that, because he was a CFO. It was like two people, right, as we were going. So we'd already had it. And then after we got a couple, it became two people. Um, now, taking that today, today, from one asset, to this, now we have our 
uh, we call it our ecosystem of companies, which is broken up into three main groups, which we have the self-storage management, like the property management company, right? Rubber hits the road. That's where it's in everything we talk about in all the amazing stuff, everybody, uh, we talk about in-depth stuff, whether it's markets, whether it's, you know, the private equity, everything else like that. Nothing, nothing matters more than that. It is just that it, that is the heart. And that that is frankly where the vast majority of all our employees, right, everything is. So um, now then we have our other company, which is the um, more the engine to bring things into the, the that holdings company, which that is uh, the Cedar Creek Capital. That's our private equity side. Now within that and within the property management company, we have divisions, right? So once again, start simple, then it, then it goes down. So we, if you took one company is to find, purchase um, deals. The other one company is to operate and manage ongoing those assets and those life lifespan. Then we have our third company, which is Bitterroot, which is our, it, we call it our holdings company because it holds a lot of our assets things, but it, it, it is really the operating company of the business. So we hold, in that one, we hold our backend accounting, um, legal, right, all those things. Now, outside the three main groups, we have our sub companies. The sub companies go everything once again back to assist the original self-storage company. And the other two, Bitterroot and Cedar Creek, only exist to assist the original. So back once again, back to the fundamentals, we're just going deeper. Then from there, we have an architecture firm, we have our feasibility uh, consultant company, we have our debt brokerage company, um, we have uh, tenant, we have store local, we have all of those things, right? We have our, uh, I think architecture, I mentioned that, but the development company. Um, once again, all of those are just another layer deeper to support that original mission. It's everything we build off is simply off of core competencies, but at the end of the day, since we started everything has gone come down to one simple mission and that is to make to buy a storage facility and make it make more money just mm-hmm. that's it yeah that's number one it <laughs> nothing else yeah. no find syndicate develop manage all of it all of it. um and it's all the same and in it's it's been amazing to see this transition from you know, back when I first started working with you guys, where there was just a few of us hanging out in an office and, you know, we were wearing all these different hats and collaborating, you know, every day on these different aspects of, you know, all of those things we just mentioned. And um, it's, it, the need arises, because it might sound, especially if you're just starting out, it might sound insane. And don't think that you have to start this holdings company and you have to start these different companies and all these other things to, to manage all no. this. This is like, the progression we're we're to uh, a stage where it's it's born out of necessity yes to have these different companies and to have these different functionalities of, of personnel and the companies themselves and their functions and what they do um because we had a scenario where we had all the the people you know just a few of us wearing all these different hats and we could collaborate every day yeah. with the bandwidth that we had everything was fine everything worked great 
what happened was as we began to scale and grow with facilities with opportunities with capital with syndicating and all these different aspects that we brought in we found out that there were a lot of things that we kept missing there were things that we weren't as efficient as we could be we weren't Mm -hmm. as good as we could be yeah we were making it but we weren't where we wanted to be and where we could be for ourselves for our team for investors and um we, we really took a step back, especially last you know year or so, and really began to evaluate how the companies were structured, who was doing what, really refining people's job descriptions, really refining what function it was that each business was doing. And um, I, I'm really confident now in the place that we've gotten where AJ just really broke down how we've got our you know operations management company, we've got our back end company, you know, managing all the, you know, accounting, legal businesses, all that. Then we've got our private equity firm that's, you know, running all of our acquisitions, development, um, syndication, all of those things. So it's just, it's been amazing to see that progression and uh, and get to a place now where, you know, again, it's going to be this constant changing dynamic, but at least we've got these different, different companies built in a way that we can plug in and scale in a way that works yes and we're not losing the original mission and i think that so you know one of the things we're talking about here is just the normal growth cycle of a company okay so companies go through expansions right and then you you're you're getting it while the getting's good so you're overwhelmed by growth and what connor mentioned i think is a really important hat or important point that you need to realize when you start out let's say it's you or a partner, or maybe you have a part-time person, or maybe you don't have anybody, you're wearing like 10 hats. That works when you have one little property, then you have two or three. Now all of a sudden, two of the 10 hats that you're wearing are no longer hats you can wear because they are full-time jobs. And those hats now have five hats underneath them. So those become job positions. Mm -hmm. You take them off, you do it, right? And then as you go through that just keeps happening those hats are not able for one person to wear multiple of them and they have hats underneath them so it has to happen then you go now you have to learn how to uh, you have to hire you have to train right and you have to be able to pass on the knowledge from you doing and wearing that hat to somebody else and you don't want to lose ground while you're doing it now the faster you grow right the more those hats start to become unbearable and crush. And at times like, you don't even know it's even, even happening. Then the hats start to get grouped together in categories and those become companies. And uh, this is just a natural, normal, evolving point. But a lot of people, I think they get caught up with it on, or it, it, it crushes them on two, two modes. The first being is... I don't know how to hand hats off and nobody can do it as good as I can. And also there's the short term um, uh, loss of handing a hat off, both in functionality, but also to capital. Now you have to hire somebody that you're not getting paid for. So it's really important when you're looking at it, what does this allow me to do? So can I do more? Can we bring in? So you're planning for growth. And how you want to grow and what you are trying to grow will depend on what hats you hand off. So a first easy example of this is was 
you know, even when we had Bitterroot, we started to hand off all the day-to-day operations because it was just impossible for us to do that and keep customers coming in and satisfied because we were buying other facilities. And that took so much time and effort because there was only, you know, two people that could do that me and my dad. And so it was like, we had to go through the paperwork. I had to find the deals, everything else. So don't have time for the day to day that gets pushed off. Well, then all of a sudden it gets to a point where just finding the asset now and getting money for it is not only a full-time job, it's, it's 10 jobs, right? Then that becomes the other country, uh, other company. Now you have to grow when you're planning these things, right? You have to grow. But also, um, a lot of people, you can lose your way, right? And you can, you, you start, naturally, things will get dropped. That is a natural occurrence that will just happen, right? So feedback loops become very important. Adjustments always have to be made because you are building out these new divisions. You need to optimize them. So the point should be is they should do better when you hand the hat off than when you had it. If not, that's a problem. That means you failed at handing the hat off. Um, And so you look at this and say, all right, we've got one facility. I want to get three. Now, what are the most important things that we have to do to get those three, get those four or five, right, um, without losing the fundamentals or the original part of the business? And most people, I think, fall into two categories. They just grow at all costs or... They don't grow at all because they view that that short-term sacrifice or it they don't understand or it's just too hard. It's too hard to pass off the hat because I got to pay somebody else to do it. That comes out of my pocket. And so instead of looking at the $50,000 that they have to pay some, uh, or instead of looking at the $150,000 that they would make from a new facility, they're looking at the $50,000 that they would have to pay somebody to do the thing that would let them get the $150,000. And... Uh, that this is a hard messy process and i think a lot of people think that it's like oh this is a just you know you just grew or you ended up like this and it's because you guys knew or or you're great that is not how growth works and that's okay right and there will be periods of time where your focus goes so the natural growth cycle is growth and this is what self-storage the self-storage industry went through for the last like 10 years it was growth at all cost consolidation growth everything else everyone could do that without focusing on i think even a lot of the basics because occupancy was so high meaning that the market rewarded them for external growth at the lack of needing to do anything internally what we're seeing now is the companies are looking back internally because the growth of occupancy and rents are not given to you by the market this is causing huge um, turmoil in the market for people that have never even operated in an environment where that existed. They've only existed in times that the market handed them 100% occupancy, rising rates at 15%. Now, I think one of the most fortunate things for us is we built our company with 80% occupancies in the market and rents had been falling. So everything we did was obsessed with the individual asset and getting people in, optimizing revenue. We had to work so hard for our tenants. We spent 
endless time thinking about those individual operations, right? And um, that provides the spine and the backdrop for our company to say, fall back on it. This is, we're used to these kind of environments. It's like, nope, this is how it works. It's not unprecedented or anything else. And a lot of people that have been in mass growth mode are trying to fall back on something that's not there. You cannot lose the fundamentals for growth. It works when the market gives it to you for free, but the market will make you pay a heavy price for it later on. And that price that other people will pay is opportunity uh, right for others. And so it's when we look at today, the consolidation that has gone on, self-storage is going to go through a next phase of consolidation and growth, right? And um, that's really exciting. And self-storage companies are changing and how they operate are changing to look back and focus on how do we scale and how do you scale in a time when it's more like a historical average. It's not markets are just going straight up and everything else. Um, and I mean, the answer is once again, the, the, the fundamentals and execution, and, and there's lots of things, um, but the companies need to be built correctly to sustain that. So I, I feel like we're very fortunate that our foundation was created off of that because it can hold that and, and we can continue to grow. Whereas if you're growing and building a company and you're scaling and you're handing off hats and everything else and you don't put an emphasis on those basics, that can really, really hurt you uh, when, when times aren't good. What made you guys in the beginning, because obviously you, you started off this way. It wasn't like, you know, we, we started Cedar Creek and it's like, oh, we really need to focus on, on these, these aspects and these metrics, like 80% occupancy. Like you guys did that from the start. Yeah. Why? It was, um, we had to. So the market, uh, like we had little small facilities prior to 08. After 08, we bought big facilities. And when we were out buying big facilities, they were 80% occupied in good markets with falling rates. Um, and to be honest, we didn't even know if 80, 80, like we didn't even know if that was the end of the falling of the occupancy. Like it, we didn't really even know. So, um, our entire value prop was that we thought we could do a better job at the owner of, and we could either maintain or increase that occupancy and those rates strictly through operations. We never, it was never part of us that we thought the market would give it to us. Did you guys ever assume like any growth of, of, of yes, the rates and things? Did you we assume did. that in underwriting? And we, uh, not on our, meaning this, we, we assumed it. Mm. We had no concept of time. Yeah. So <laughs> you bought it and you're like, we knew that like, uh, I use the example of the wave, the board and the rider. So we knew that the wave was a, it was a, it, it was a adolescent that was becoming this great wave and the economic forces behind it. We 100% believed in, we were all in, right. Um, we knew the value of the timing, right. That, that we all knew and could understand. Then we were like, we got to build the best surfboard that can ride this wave, everything else. And then we looked at ourselves and said, we have to become the best surfer. Um, but the timing in which that wave would, 
would crest, the timing in which that wave would would rise and gain even more momentum. We didn't know. I didn't. We didn't know if we would be in a, a crappy market for three years, five years. We didn't know. So it was like we're going to focus on those fundamentals. We will be the best that we can be. Mm-hmm. When the wave picks up, we'll ride it. Good to go. What made you guys when you saw? Because I feel like there's a lot of people out there that they would see falling rates they would see i mean 80 percent is good occupancy but they would see these metrics that i think a lot of times would lead people to think like oh that's either the the market's not growing or there's problems there like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna invest in storage right now because you know rates are falling like there's no growth was there any thought to that or were you guys just recognizing that there was this wave there was that opportunity then there 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 was i mean when we were buying big deals you know we were the only people even that were at the buying table yeah so there we weren't competing with other people to buy deals um and the reason being is because for the most part it was uh, it the market so everybody said it was really dumb to be buying anything so yeah it yeah. was like well, um, yeah quote unquote it, air yes. quotes dumb yeah right? like it, like it, people look back on it I, I say this all the time because people look back and say, oh, well, if I could go back to those times and buy facilities at that time, or occupancy, where I, I would have bought everything. No, you wouldn't have. Um, you don't understand how scary it was. You don't understand how the future was so unknown. No concept, right? There was, no one had any idea, e- even, like we thought that the way would pick up, but we had never seen cap rates at, you know, sub for our markets, eight cap. We'd never even seen that before. So there was not even, we never underwrote for anything below an eight cap. We were underwriting like a refinance or a sell at like a nine cap or a 10 cap because we didn't see it, we didn't know. So it's not like it was just this given, oh, this is great value. No, that's just not how it looked or worked. And it's it's such a testament to, to just the, the, the age old saying of like buying when there's blood in the streets where and you see it over and over and over again and it's just it must be human behavior or something because when everything's hot and everything's high like everybody's getting in and it's a sure thing it's a sure thing yeah yeah and then when things are getting bad everybody's out but it's like it's inverse do the opposite do the opposite (laughs) yes and this is why i talk a lot about our rate runway and when COVID happened in that storage and, and and everything got really heated I was looking at that rate run, runway and it, like everybody thought, oh, this is a short, sure thing, everything else. And we're going, for us, it was the opposite. We're like, no, the rate runway looks negative. So we completely changed which markets we were buying in, how we analyzed deals and what we were looking at. Because the moving forward risk was so far greater because it had reached a capacity. So it was like, it's not going to get better than 100% occupied and rates going up at 15%. It's not like, will it continue? Yeah, it could continue. I don't know. But the risk analysis and, and, and profile dramatically changed. The problem is, though, that's when money is easy. Everything's easy then. It's easy to find sellers because sellers are getting paid so much. So they're willing to sell. It's easier to get bank loans and investors because everybody wants to be in on it. Everything's easy. Everybody showing massive increase in value, massive income in, or, or rates increasing. Um, and when things turn and it gets hard, right, that's when the value is actually there. 
that's when the rate runway flips and now it's moving forward not backwards Mm -hmm. Um, and this is a really hard thing because one you're dealing with a known which is it's good and it's known we can see it today it's good the other one is dealing with a known that is it's not as good or it's when we started it's bad today it's not bad right but then it was bad but today it's not bad but it's also not good and people are unknown about then okay well how will the future play out we don't know so it can always get worse right so it's easy to say to be a contrarian but it's really hard to do um and it uh it you have to convince other people money dries up you have to work way harder right and um you i think that for us it's easier because we went through it so we knew oh we had to work way harder but that paid off right if you've never been through it mm-hmm. it's like am i doing the right thing should i even be doing this at all and this is a lot of work and then you give up you stop right um because it's every aspect of putting a deal together finding deals getting sellers to sell to you right it just all becomes harder and more unknown so i'm increasing work i'm increasing the odds of things getting worse and all of a sudden you're looking at it going mentally right emotionally is this a good idea but once again and when we look at it we know how economics we know how market works we, we know it's the opposite that when uh mentally when you're looking at things and things are great and, and emotionally you feel great about it it's always the time when it's actually not right but <laughs> when it seems like it's not. that that's just really hard to do yeah. and i think that if you're starting out today and i said this all the time if you're starting out today buying or you're expanding and trying to grow a portfolio you're going to build a better company you will build a better company I mean, look at all the companies that are the biggest companies in the world and how many of them came out of a recession. It's like 85%. Why? Because they built it right, because they had to. When the market gave the when the market gave people returns, they didn't build a strong company with a strong foundation because they didn't have to, right? Those usually have a hard time lasting. So this is the best time to be building. It's the best time to be buying, right? will does that mean that everything's just going to shoot back up no but it's not supposed to that's that's not part of it right Mm -hmm. and so if you build to basics if you take that funnel back down and build your company build your operations and everything based upon those basics looking at every door finding every customer doing everything you need to do to fill up and maximize rates and making sure that all of the basics are firing on all cylinders right you're gonna be better off Mm-hmm. No, couldn't have said two, it better. You know, one of the things that has happened is it was so good in storage for so long that a lot of people that got in, they don't even know. It, meaning like, okay, now we have this problem, which we're going to answer a few questions here from like our, even our community. The number one question that I get from people today, how do I fill up? How do I fill up? Mm-hmm. They've never had this problem before. Yeah. Right. And it's, um, it, it, first of all, we try to tell people that, if you're hearing a negative narrative, um, occupancies are still not back down to what a normal would be. They're still higher than a normal. Yeah. So it's not like this is a problem even, right? Exactly. So it's all perception, right? Mm -hmm. If we got to a point where 
occupancies were really lower. But you're talking about an average of an 86% occupancy. The problem is everybody's thinking of it off a 96% occupancy. So it changes the way they view it. And I need to fill up and, you know, everything else. And uh, that that can be very troubling to people. But for sure, if you've never been through it, you don't know how to operate in that or take advantage of it. Right. And so we, we hope that we can help people through this podcast and know here's how you take advantage of it, right? Here's the things that you do. It's why we get on here. It's what we're talking about. It's how you find opportunities, seller financing, right? It is so that you can perform well during this time and you can grow during this time because it will hyperspeed your growth in the future. For sure. No, it really will. And and not only the, I mean, that average occupancy is huge, but you know, and you're talking lease up too, the, the timeframes in which people are expecting to lease up. Uh, whether it's a new development or an, ex- an yes. expansion, I mean, whether it's events or like you're saying, I mean, people reaching out to you. I've I've had people ask me the same thing, like, "Oh man, I'm only filled up X amount," uh, and I'm like, "Cool, like, when did you guys open?" And they're like, "Oh, well, we opened like 30 days ago," and I'm like, "You're good, you're good, like, yeah, <laughs> like, you're fine." Like, uh, a lot of people were so shocked when um, occupancy went down so much in the fall and winter, and we're like. This is seasonality. This is this is actually what happens. This is totally normal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like this isn't <laughs> bad. This has gone on for every single year since self storage has been in existence outside the last three or four years. Mm-hmm. But it was crazy to see the reaction from a lot of people that were new. It was like, what's happening? Well, even the quote unquote experts that were out there that had just gotten into the industry, and I think you'd. You talked about there was somebody that had a feasibility study that was talking about leasing up a facility in three months or something like yeah. that. Yeah, that was like crazy. In there Couldn't even believe it. Had it in, submitted it. It was a paid for big one, and they literally, they, it was a six-month fill-up. Yeah. And um, yeah, it, it's things got so a little out of whack. Be careful on uh, who you guys trust out there. Yeah. Uh, work through referral only. <laughs> That's right. People yes. that you trust uh, to advise you. But uh, like AJ talked about, and this is a perfect segue into some of the questions uh, that we got from comments on YouTube and, and social uh, no, media. No, it's from our self-storage community. So our Facebook oh, group. It? Yep, it's for self-storage income community. That Correction. We have all people. Yeah, we have everybody <laughs> submit from our community. And so we will we'll say who it is. And yeah, this is perfect. So we got Brad Beard up as uh, number one here. He said, I recently added on to a facility and would like to fill it up as soon as possible. It's a good goal. Does anyone have any tips for lease up like advertising, SEO, promotions, etc.? I tried a company and uh, was not happy at all. The company he's talking about is a, a referral based company, essentially online yes. to where they'll they'll send you leads. So you They're can list like your facility on aggregators there. like Travelocity, things yes. like that, yeah, that, yeah. that do that. So a good way to put it. Yep. So let's dive into this one first. Uh, filling up, I mean, obviously SEO, advertising, super important. Get those out there. Reviews, super important. Um, getting on those, those uh, even if, this is another thing too, in, in getting on those aggregators, uh, like we were just talking about, Getting the profiles for your facilities set up properly is huge. Um, that's the photos, that's the pricing, that's the information, the addresses, phone numbers, all those different things, super, super important. And then getting all of the, you guys should look up like citations as well um, and, and dive into how those affect your ranking on YouTube, or not on YouTube, on uh, on Google. 
um, whether that's in the pack where you're showing up on maps and different things, or that's the SEO factor uh, on the back end where uh, essentially a lot of those citations is the, the link building and linking your website, even to different websites that aren't like people aren't actually going to, but that are building that SEO and that, that awareness that the crawlers on you on uh, I keep wanting to say YouTube on uh, on Google. Google use to rank your facility, so that's all super huge. And then I mean, customer service is a big one. Yeah. That's one we see a lot is yeah. just being able to treat the customers you do have really yeah. really well. It's easier to keep a customer and it's easier to close a, a prospect customer than it is to find a new one. For sure. And for it, sure. I think that, you know, Connor's talking about something really, not really important. I mean, just one of the most important things ever. And that's your on-site location. So you have your physical location, but you have your, not on-site, online location. The online location is just as important as your physical location. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding when I say that. It is just as important. And so all the things that you need to do to a physical location, you have day everyday checklists that our, our managers go through. You want to make sure that the roads are working, the gates are opening and operating, that the units look good, that everything's all the things that we know because you can see it. Mm-hmm. But people don't take the same approach to their online location. And that, once again, one of the reasons is we were spoiled for a long time and people let that lag. So everything Connor mentioned is 100% your online location needs to spend as much time, energy, everything. It's just as important as your physical location today. Well, then how are you tracking and managing the leads that are coming in, whether it's from a third party or it's people calling your facility? Are those those are those people making reservations? Are they getting a call back immediately? Yes, um, immediately. Super important to be able to follow up on all leads, reservations, all of that stuff. I mean, as soon as humanly possible. Uh, Is there anything else you want to add to that? Uh, Just that the process in which your customer goes to rent from you online, make sure that that's all smooth and you understand it. And then like Connor said, following up on it, um, you know, this is not a build it and they will come. This is an everyday active uh, customer capturing. And if something goes wrong in that process, online things, the whole thing breaks down. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. And, and just that customer acquisition process that they go through, make sure that that sales process is as simple as possible. Um, good, good stuff. Next up, we've got Ethan. Uh, I'm going to butcher, butcher the last name probably here, but it's uh, Lahav. Finding competitor occupancy. Hi, everyone. AJ Osborne talks a lot about finding competitors' occupancy. I am curious to know which methods and tools you use in order to evaluate this. Also, if there is a webinar that shows how to actually go about this, I'd be happy if you can share because I haven't seen uh, in the course library. Thanks again. Um, First and foremost, go and ask them. That's my, I I, mean. I'm right there with you, man. There's lots of tools, things like that. But honestly, nothing, nothing beats good old fashioned knocking doors, Mm -hmm. calling people, getting to know your location, your city, and talking to managers and owners. Um, Just secret shopping. I mean, I just, I've, nothing beats secret shopping. There's no tool out there. There's no nothing. I agree. I think it's even at, even at our level, I mean, 
it, we're still, you know, oh, yeah. minnows in the pond, so to speak. But even at our level, we uh, secret shopping is is priority. Yes. And uh, we we definitely hit the pavement. Um, and the other thing too, one of the things I actually uh, done a lot of the secret shopping, uh, but recently I actually ended up I would was calling facilities in one of the markets that we're in and was just straight up asking like, Hey, are you guys the owner? Are you just the manager? Work with this company. We own operate a ton of storage. We're in the area too. Like, what are you guys seeing as far as occupancy? Like what units are doing great? What aren't? And like five out of the six people I called, there was one person that was like a manager that they were like, Oh, you're, you're going to have to talk to the owner. I don't, you know, I don't, they just weren't sure if they could probably share the information, whatever. But Literally five out of the six people I talked to were like, oh, yeah, our occupancy is like sitting here. I've been working at this facility for the past five years. And, you know, the owners are doing this and that. Like, I mean, just total open book. Absolutely. Total open book. That's the best thing about storage is, you know, uh, storage, we all succeed together. The reason why we tell all our secrets on this podcast, the reason why I go speak, the reason why I write books is because a writing tide lifts all ships. If I'm in my market and somebody's failing, that doesn't mean I'm doing good. Exactly. It hurts everyone. So I think people are open and we all want to maximize um, our occupancy. Don't have a limited mindset about it and go be open and, mm -hmm. and share. And if you too, if you're asking and sharing, share back. Yeah, so if yeah. they're sharing with you, let them know what you're seeing too. Don't don't be a, a take take. It's work together work work with other people and i agree connor i i'll go up and just say hey what are you seeing in the market how are you doing and then we sit and just talk they're like man yeah there are our, our 10 by 10s are just getting hammered like we can't fill them up we're having to drop rates but then at the same token our five by fives and our 10 by 20s are killing it and i'm like well that's funny because we're seeing something different or we're seeing the same right that is the most valuable uh, approach and thing you can for sure. For sure. Totally agree. So go hit the pavement, go out there, secret shop, ask them what units are available, not all that good jazz. Uh, next question we've got is from Stefan or Stephen Gaspar. Hi, AJ. In your, sell, in your seller finance webinar, you noted that banks don't care if the approximate 30% equity requirement is coming in the form of a second from the seller. I spoke with Live Oak Bank recently, and they noted that their credit team doesn't like seller finance seconds and that they count as equity. Could you expand on your experience with Live Oak Bank and other lenders on this scenario? Thank you. Yeah, so I, I'm not going to comment to Live Oak Bank, but um, we can just say this right now. Um, all banks have a problem with everything right now. So... <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. They got a problem yeah. with it. Like it, we are it not in the same world that we were a year ago with the banking and where local banks and credit unions were, we, we had a lot of luck getting, you know, really creative, things like that. The reality is today, guys, that banks are, I can't even tell you, I can't tell you what bank to go to. I can't even tell you what they'll do because we don't even know. Uh, there's a lot going on behind the scene with banks. Some banks are struggling, others are fine, and they obviously are not gonna tell you that. Mm -hmm. So we don't know, right? And some banks have flat out come out and said, we will not invest in this asset class anymore. We're not doing development anymore. We want more down. They're all taking twice as long. They're all more nervous. Mm -hmm. So the easy answer to this would be to make up a lot of stuff. But the honest answer is, I really don't know right now. And we'll keep you guys updated as we're seeing it. Um, development deals are hard. 
really hard right now um, to get funded. Acquisitions, they want to see historical. And they also want to know, what are we going after if things go wrong? Um, they're just being way more conservative and they're not being lenient. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a lot of things that we could have done over the last six years where right now in this window, this may change literally in three months, but right now in this window, uh, that's the feedback that we're, we're getting. It's mm-hmm. they don't anything that's not normal right now. Banks don't tend to like. Yeah. Well, and then too, kind of keeping in mind that all of these, especially, you know, credit unions and things um, and regional banks are, are very different um, depending on which bank you go to, which underwriters you're working with. I mean, they all have their different risk profiles and their different appetites for what they want to invest in and not invest in and and um, and what they're leveraged in and not leveraged in. I mean, it's it really just depends on what bank you're going yeah. to. Um, so if, if you're working with a bank that's not liking the terms that you're wanting to find or get, then maybe you get a different bank. Um, and it, and to, the other thing too, I think that's important to understand is um, you're, you're not always gonna get the exact terms you want, especially starting out or ever. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're gonna have to give at some point on certain things. So I think that's kind of an important thing to remember there. So you might not have the exact ideal deal structure that you might want as far as, especially when it comes to seller financing and some of those different creative financing strategies. But uh, just a side note there that uh, you might, there's some give and take there. Great questions from our community. Um, everybody else in there, you know, make sure you ask questions, we'll, we'll get to them. Anybody else join join the group, join the community. We have over 300 members. We give tools, resources, webinars. Uh, so it's a great location, but hope this was helpful and excited to share more good news, you guys, that we've got coming up. We have uh, some pretty amazing podcasts over the next two months coming up. Can't wait to share them with you. It sounds great. Thanks so much, everybody, for your support. We'll catch you next time.